Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Eddie, how's it going? Good, mate. Uh, uh, I was wondering, uh, we just heard the news from the government that there will be people allowed up to a thousand indoors at indoor arenas in the UK starting on December 1st in particular areas. Does that impact the AJ and uh, and Pulev fight? Are you looking to maybe get some fans into that event? Well, certainly if it's possible. I mean, I think the big catch on that is the tier system. You know, um, what will be what tier, where, how... And, and what qualifies for what? I mean, there is a chance they could put London straight into tier three, which would mean we have no crowds. Obviously, if it falls into the tier two category, then we would be able to have a thousand people at Wembley. Um, just going back to the question, yes. Uh, depending on what tier is what and what we're allowed, obviously, we don't know if London's going to be put into tier three, but certainly... If we uh, if we're allowed to, if Brent Crouch will allow us, then yes, we'll be doing everything we can to get that thousand number into December twelfth for AJ against Pula. Ali, before I let you go, I wanted to ask one quick one. What is your take on the Tyson and uh, and Jones fight coming up this weekend? And I want to know: Are you getting a piece of the action from Jake Paul fighting on that? No, definitely not getting any action from Jake Paul. Um, I don't know. I think it's hard to criticise people like Mike Tyson and Roy Jones. You know, I think they've done so much for the sport. I just feel that I like to remember those guys when they were young and at their best. You know, I just I just hope that it's not, you know, a sad spectacle. You know, hopefully they can just have a bit of fun with it and I wish them all the best. Thanks, Donna. Reggie, next, please. Hey, how you doing, Eddie? I'm good, Reggie. Hey, quick question, just looking forward a little bit. I know, you know, great action this weekend, but you know, you've been a you've championed the value of the zone to uh, subscribers and whatnot. I just wonder, could you speak to we're getting to the end of the year? Uh, if crowds can't make it back before spring and summer, you know, any concerns or thoughts on what you can achieve with next year's schedule? Well, I think it's very challenging, Reggie. You know, I mean, look, we are going to be at the Alamo Dome and we will have crowds for Canelo against Callum Smith. Um, you know, if we can uh, secure the, the Gennady Golovkin date, we may try and get crowds there as well. We're putting together at the moment a schedule where we don't have crowds. And I think we've got a model in place that means that elite boxing can continue. I mean, if you look at that sort of one-month period of schedule on the zone obviously you have Jacobs Rosado this weekend but you know December 4th you have Billy Joe Saunders 
December 12th, you have Anthony Joshua. December 18th, hopefully Gennady Golovkin against Zerometa. December 19th, Canelo against Callum Smith. January the 2nd, Ryan Garcia against Luke Campbell. I mean, that's a hell of a lot of action, you know, for obviously an annual subscription of less than 100 bucks or even a monthly subscription of 1999. I think you guys, you know, are having to shell out another 75 bucks for Errol Spence against Danny Garcia. You know, you've just shed out 75 bucks for Javonte Davis against Leo Santa Cruz. And before that, you shed out 75 bucks for Charlo. That's over three months. That's $225. That's a huge amount of money. And um, you know, we get criticized all the time, Reggie, in the UK for 30 bucks, you know, for an AJ fight. So you guys have got it tough. I just feel that we've got great momentum. Obviously, it was a huge catch making the Canelo Alvarez-Callum Smith fight on the zone in December. And I think it gives us tremendous momentum going into the new year. But certainly when you look at fights that are scheduled for the probably the first quarter, which is a Chocolatito against Roman Gonzalez, sorry, Chocolatito against Estrada, for example, that's a fight that should be selling out the StubHub or the old, you know, StubHub Arena there in LA. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful uh, Californian fight night or even in Phoenix, you know, it can sell out arena. Uh, Demetrius Andrade against Liam Williams in Providence. You know, we just did nearly 8,000 in Providence previously for the Selecki fight. And obviously the winner of, of Luke Campbell against Devin Haney, uh, sorry, Luke Campbell against Ryan Garcia against Devin Haney. You know, if it was Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney against Ryan Garcia sells out the Staples Center. You know, if it's Luke Campbell, that fight sells out in the UK or, or possibly in, in Las Vegas. So we want the crowds back. You know, there's nothing like the feel of live crowds but the good news is is that we're sustaining a fantastic schedule and we're keeping the momentum of the sport regardless of, of no fans at the moment you think they need you down in uh in, in florida are you missing being there to oh, add one yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna come out the main problem is the isolation right so when i come back to the uk at the moment i have to isolate for two weeks which means that i miss a number of events here and, and pretty much would mean that i'll miss the AJ fight, you know, which I can't do, but I will be coming to America for the Canelo Callum Smith fight. They're actually reducing the quarantine down to five days from the middle of December. So that will help me greatly. And obviously it's Christmas as well. So that's a big fight for Matram uh, being involved in, in, in that promotion. And obviously Callum Smith is our guy and we've, we've promoted him from the, uh, his debut. So yeah, we'll, we'll be there. I miss it, you know, I miss it like crazy. I hate not being at shows, and this will be, I think, the third US show that I've not been at, and the guys have been doing a brilliant job over there, the USA team. You know, it's not easy at the moment, not just with no crowds, but obviously the protocol, the testing, you know, the, the keeping the fighters safe, and uh, the, the team there have been doing a fantastic job. Thank you. Uh, the Boxing Source next, please. Yes, there, Eddie. Following up on these questions, how has it been going from, you know, fight camp over the summer to booking these fights to these venues with no crowds and, you know, working with uh, people there within Metro Boxing USA? Like, have you gotten used to it? And how has it been as far as, like, not having fans in these venues? Well, fight camp was something pretty spectacular. I was actually watching a fight back from fight camp last night, just thinking, wow, I can't even believe we did this. Like, you know, it was a really unique environment. It is, it is quite sterile in these venues. You know, I've always tried to keep away from doing boxing in a studio 
because I don't feel like it, it gives you that big event feel. We've been in Wembley Arena, which is a huge arena. We've booked that out for the last six weeks. And in, in the US, you know, we'll, we've been at the Hard Rock, have done a great job uh, with our team there to make sure that, you know, at least you're in a big arena. It feels like a big event. It is difficult. You know, it's interesting that all the fighters I've been speaking to are all saying the same thing, which is it hasn't felt any different. Sometimes I don't believe them when they say that, but I've, I've enjoyed as a, as a purist being part of the production of these events to bring the fans something different. You know, you hear a lot more of the shots. You hear the interaction of the corner team and the fighter. You can hear the referee. You know, you can hear the fighters breathing at times, but nothing will ever take away, you know, the thrill and the buzz and the excitement and the energy of a live crowd. So I hope that, you know, it's going to be, I'm, I'm very excited about going to, to Texas uh, and seeing live crowds back. Obviously, I saw it for the Santa Cruz fight with Javonta Davis and, you know, you, you get jealous and, and we seem to be on the verge here in the UK of bringing a small number of fans back and we hope that escalates, you know, through a reduction in, in the numbers, but ultimately through a vaccine, I guess, is when the government's going to be in a, a strong position, a comfortable position in the UK to let uh, fans return as, you know, in, in, uh, in full. Thank you very much, Eddie. Hi, Eddie. Thanks so much for taking time to talk to us. You know, obviously, with there's been a lot of changes in the way people promote these fights during the pandemic. So, how much have you been kind of taking the lessons that you've learned from promoting in the UK and in the US with no fans, and kind of taking that into these upcoming Canelo Callum Smith fight? And how much do you kind of look towards that fight with fans and think of it as some sort of blueprint? for when you're going to be able to do more shows with fans in the future in 2021? Well, Carlos, we've, we've learned a lot because, you know, we've had to adapt and we've had to think outside the box. You know, every time that you make a major fight, I mean, Canelo against Callum Smith is a good example. You know, you bring the fighters together, you do a multi-city press tour, you know, you bring all you guys out, you know, we get a load of action, loads of footage, um, we can drive a lot of hype. And obviously now we're geared more towards the digital side and the, the tech side, which is, you know, stuff like this, but also about content, you know, and working harder to engage the fans with shoulder programming and, and digital content as well. And we've got a lot of that dropping over the next couple of weeks with Canelo and Callum Smith. There is no doubt, there is no question that a lot of the key moments have been taken away from the promotion of the show like i said that that initial start of the press conference the weigh-in you know where you can get live live crowds in open workouts you know every canelo alvarez fight has a traditional sort of welcoming ceremony and the arrivals coming into mgm there and those kind of events are big spectacles to really drive the interest of the event so we've been learning a lot um you know the main challenge now is when we're dealing with venues or in America's case, states that will allow fans back. It's not just, yeah, they're allow fans, just just throw them in the arena. You know, there's a there's a method to it. There is safety elements to it. This has to be policed by our security team to make sure that there is social distancing. Obviously, with the Alamo Dome, you're going to have around 11,000, 12,000 people in a huge arena. But, you know, it's our job to make sure that we enforce the plan 
that it's safe for fans because, you know, we do know that um, it is dangerous right now, you know, to, to con certainly to contract this disease. And we have to make sure that we do everything we can. It's not just a case of bringing people back. It's a case of bringing them back safely. And that's what we're working hard to do with the states and the commissions as well. But it is important to start making those moves to bring fans back because I don't think that there is sustainability for everyone in the sport without fans, you know, especially the smaller hall shows, you know, the, the, the small hall and almost what you guys call like the club fighting scene is really driven by ticket sales and, and fighters selling their 200, 300 tickets to pay for their purses and enable them to get on right now. That scene over here and, and especially with you guys as well, isn't thriving. You know, because it's very costly for promoters to continue running those shows. So we've learned a huge amount and it's been it's been really interesting. I mean, you know, painful at times, but I think it's going to put us in a good position when we have normality back and we can use the information that, that we've we've learned during this and, and the ways that we've changed promoting. And, you know, like I said, combine that with the return of, of live crowds. And I think when we come through this, we'll be in a much stronger position. Thanks, Eddie. Hey, Eddie. Uh, thank you for, uh, for taking the time to talk. I uh, hope all is well. Um, kind of looking at the current situation, sorry to beat a, bed drum, beat a, dead, uh, a dead drum. Obviously, with the, the current situation in the U.S., numbers are skyrocketing. Um, I know that Florida and Texas are allowing fans to come back into attendance, but does that put you in an ethical dilemma of, is it in the best interest to do that? considering the CDC is saying that, hey, don't get together in large groups. How, how do you work with that? I think we follow the rules, firstly. I mean, I, you know, when you talk about morally and ethically, you can't do that without the science and the information and everybody will make their own decision. It goes back to my comments to Carlos. You know, it's not just, oh, we need fans back. You know, let's just bring everybody together. We're working diligently with the state and with the Athletic Commission to ensure that is done in a safe way. Obviously, the Allardyne Dome is a huge arena. The one thing I think that you saw too much of in, you know, and this is putting pressure on myself and my team in the Santa Cruz fight was everyone came together. You know, there needs to be a stricter policy in place where, you know, we yeah. will be presenting to the state and the commission and our security team. Oh, okay. This is... We can get it for okay. you. Yes, you know. Why not, right? right. Thank you. Be sitting right there. Right. Thank yeah. you, ma'am. Jose, turn your phone off, mate. Come on, get it on mute. And, um, you know, we will be presenting to them a... Jose, come on, Jose, put your phone on mute. Jose, come on. All right, anyway. We will be presenting to them a, a safe plan, you know, to do it. We have our experts, we have our medical experts on the team. Ultimately, the state will make their decision. Um, and, you know, again, it will be making sure that it's in the best interest and the safety of the spectators as well. But I'm definitely of the fact of we've waited a long time. You know, we could have brought fans back in September. You know, we could have, when we did Estrada Quadras, when we did Chocolatito, when we did Julio Cesar Martinez, we could have done that in Texas. But we chose to do that in TV studios in Azteca because we just felt that we weren't ready to go through the process. 
the blueprint has been done. Not saying it was perfect, but you know, PBC made that move with Santa Cruz and, and Tank, and we have to keep that momentum going now. But it does have to be safe for the people that are attending. Thank you, Eddie. Uh, Matt from Behind the Gloves, please. Hi, Eddie. It's Matt from Behind the Gloves. Um, what I wanted to know is, have you had a response from the government with the letter that you sent in relation to grassroots boxing? And also, what type of impact do you think that funding will have on the communities in this country? So the answer is no, initially. I don't really expect one at the moment. I think I'll, I'll do everything I can to help, but obviously England boxing are behind this, they're pushing this, they're driving this, and, and that's the authority that's going to provide a blueprint for the funding to funnel down to the community. So you know, it's, it's very easy for me to come in and say, yeah, you should be giving money to clubs. And then the government says, okay, so how does that work? We need you know, a public body like England Boxing that will enable that system to work. What I'm trying to do is create awareness and get some momentum. You know, I'm always baffled by the lack of funding that goes into boxing clubs within the community. And this isn't about, you see, and when the, the, the bill came out of the rescue fund for sports, and they're giving 135 million to rugby and what was it, 40 million to horse racing and 6 million to motorsport, you know, all sport is great, but those sports, you can't even compare the impact they have with the next generation and the community to what boxing does. But the problem is, and it's not an attack on politicians, but they're so far removed from that side of the community. And, you know, we all are like, maybe if I wasn't involved with boxing, I wouldn't have a clue what boxing does at grassroots level. But anyone that does understand boxing, anyone that's seen it with their own eyes, knows that it ticks so many boxes for the British government. Like, even if you don't like boxing, even if you think it's brutal, you know, you look at the government policies and what we're trying to do right now in this country is tackle obesity, you know, within younger people. Box ticked. It's improved mental health. Box ticked. It's reduced gang crime and knife crime. Box ticked. But more importantly, it instills discipline, manners, respect into that younger generation. So this is much deeper than sport. This is trying to improve our country. So I feel that if people understood, if people went, if people spoke to people, if people saw it with their own eyes, there is no way you couldn't provide funding for boxing clubs in the community. But the frustrating thing is, you know, these guys, they, they don't understand and they don't visit and they don't know. So I don't know whether they'll do anything. I do believe there is another round of support coming for sports. But it's difficult for them because everybody's asking. And that's what I said, you know, in my letter. It's been difficult to keep boxing going at the elite level. We're not asking for any help. We'll be okay. The community clubs won't. They're closing down. They won't re-emerge. You know, we're all creatures of habit, right? If you're a young kid and you've been going boxing every week for the last three years, and then all of a sudden you don't go for eight months, you, you just, you fade away. You know, so it's really important to not just bring this sport back, but make sure these clubs can have the opportunity to keep thriving and keep doing a, a remarkable job in the community because they all really do serve a very special purpose.
Brilliant. Thanks, Eddie. Hey, Eddie. How you doing? Hey, Danny. Um, it's Daniel Dubois, Joe Joyce, on Saturday, the night after your show. I just wanted to get, um, A, a prediction from you, and B, where does the winner sit in that long queue to face AJ? Um, firstly, it's a good fight. I mean, you know, and an interesting fight. I think that the problem is with Joe Joyce is you watch Joe Joyce and you say he's absolutely terrible, right? But obviously he's not. He's, he's extremely fit. He's extremely durable. But we, I keep going back to the fact that he gets hit a lot, a lot, you know, and he got hurt badly to the body by Brian Jennings, you know, in the opening stage of that fight. And Daniel Dubois clearly hits very hard. So I think Joe's got to be careful in the early stages of the fight. We don't, I mean, they're both, I mean, certainly Dubois is a, is a complete novice, really, in the heavyweight division. Um, and Joe is as well, but Joe is obviously more experienced, especially through his experience of, of the WSB. So I guess, like, the sensible thing is Dubois early or Joyce to Weber to Storm and, you know, not expose him because I, I think Dubois can fight, but, you know, just sort of outlast him, if you like. Um, there is the sort of comparison between Dubois and maybe an early AJ where they're strong and muscular and in time, as AJ has done, he's learned that actually you, it's better to be a little leaner and you know, concentrate on your boxing more than just your strength. Um, I think if you ask me to have a bet, I think I back Dubois. Uh, for, for stoppage with you know within six rounds but I, I wouldn't be surprised if if Joyce can weather that early storm but he's got to be careful because all these guys can punch and Dubois can definitely punch so um, Joe just you saw even against who is it for Wallach you know in his last fight and he got hit a lot in, in that fight so I'm not sure it's an interesting fight in terms of where they sit I mean the winner will be British and European champion. And I think that's about right with the level they're at at the moment. I think both can go on and, and be world champion contenders, but they've definitely got a few more wins to, to rack on the resume to start fighting for world titles. Although, you know, the winner could end up fighting Usyk for a vacant world title. So interested to see what happens in that one on Saturday. Thanks, Eddie. Thanks, Danny. YSM Sports next, but let's keep these next three brief and quick if we can as... Eddie can then introduce uh, Danny Jacobs. Eddie, how's it going? Um, Good, thank you. Yeah, uh, you tried to negotiate Callum Smith versus Canelo in, in previous years. You were unsuccessful. Why was it so easy to make now? Well, easy is the wrong word. It was, it was definitely one of the hardest deals I've ever had to put together because, you know, firstly, we're in the middle of a pandemic, you know, the revenue from the gate just isn't there. So that makes it very hard straight away. Then you had obviously the legal situation with Canelo and Golden Boy and the zone uh, and, and the separation of, of those three entities. So my plan and my strategy was to, you know, first and foremost, make the fight for my guy who you know we've had since his professional debut. He's become the world champion, the Ring Magazine champion. Uh, I wanted to give him a, a career-defining fight, a legacy fight, and the one is Canelo Alvarez. And, you know, I needed to try and also, if I could do make that happen and bring 
Canelo back to DAZN, it would be a huge statement. It would be huge for the platform. It would be huge for Callum Smith. It would be huge for boxing to bring arguably the biggest name in the sport back into action at the back end of the year. So it was really difficult, really difficult. And there was plenty of times where I just thought, this isn't going to happen. This isn't going to happen. And we hung in there. And, you know, Canelo... Canelo's going to make his own decisions, as a lot of these big stars do. And when he put out the social media post to say that he's going to be announcing his opponent at 6pm Eastern time, we sort of all spoke to each other and said, well, we hope that's us. Because that morning we didn't have a, a deal. You know, we didn't have a contract. We, we still had a lot to discuss. But it was obviously a good move by Canelo because we moved very quickly uh, to get it over the line. And we actually completed the deal and signed the contracts 10 minutes before the announcement. So I'm, I'm really, really pleased with that. You know, it's, um, we've been looking for a major fight for Matrim to stage for a long time in the US. And, you know, I, I can't lie, it's been more difficult than I thought it would be. And I still feel like we've done a great job and I still feel like the zone has hands down the best schedule in US boxing. But this is a major, 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 major coup. Major coup. But, you know, as great as it is to bring Canelo back to the zone, I'm rooting for our guy Callum Smith, you know, for, for the win. And I have to respect Canelo Alvarez incredibly because he just wants to fight the champions. He could have made the same money taking an easier fight. You know, last year he boxed Danny Jacobs for the IBF middleweight championship. He boxed Crusher Kovalev for the WBO light heavyweight championship. And now his next fight, he's fighting Callum Smith for the WBA and ring super middleweight championship. So... This is great to see. Okay, thanks, Eddie. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Marcos, next, please. <clears throat> hey, Eddie, how's it going? Hi, Marcos. Hey, uh, I, I got some quickies here. Uh, first off, wh where is Golovkin going to be fighting? There will be an announcement later today. Okay, so you can't say anything before the announcement? It won't be in Texas. It won't be in Texas? No. Okay. Uh, the other thing is, because uh, you're more privy to these details with Canelo, is this a one-off with Canelo? Did he sign a new deal with DAZN, a multi-fight deal with DAZN? What's going on with that? Because there hasn't uh, this, been... This, this, is, this is a one-fight deal at the moment. Um, and obviously, look, you know, on, on the, the, the two hats on, with my match and boxing hat on and my heart, you know, we're looking for a, a Callum Smith victory. And obviously, if that's the case, there'll probably be a Callum Smith-Canelo two fight. With a DAZN hat on, if Canelo Alvarez wins that fight, then we'll be looking to make the fight with Billy Joe Saunders or Triple G in May. Um, so I think there's, a, there's a, a steady flow of fights for Canelo Alvarez on DAZN. There wasn't enough time, and I'm not sure he wanted to do it, to be honest with you, to, to pen a multi-fight deal with only probably what we had four and a half weeks or five weeks till the, the Callum Smith fight. So we were happy, the zone were happy to, to start that relationship afresh, if you like, for Matram to prove ourselves to Canelo Alvarez, ticking the boxes of getting our guy the biggest fight that we possibly could for his career in Callum Smith. So everyone's really happy at the moment. And hopefully it's the start of a, a long and successful process. So he's not exclusive uh, to the zone right now. Only for this fight. Only for this fight. Yeah. Okay. And uh, what's going on with Andrade? So he was due to fight Dusty Harrison. He got COVID. We looked at some replacements for Demetrius, and to be honest, he he just said, "Look, I just want to I just want to be in big fights now and great fights." So 
You know, he's looking for that standout fight. He wants the Billy Joe Saunders fight. And I think if Billy Joe Saunders doesn't get um, Canelo Alvarez in May, it will be Andrade against Saunders, probably up at 168. But he also has a mandatory challenger against Liam Williams. So that's who he will fight next, Liam Williams, subject to Andrade landing a major fight. And that will be in February, uh, hopefully with crowds back in Providence. Thank you, Eddie. No worries, mate. Sports Social Podcast Network.